Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 183. This week on the show, I've got an incredible conversation with Mark from the band 408. Uh, If you guys aren't familiar with them, then your TikTok doesn't look anything like mine. Uh, Similar to last week's episode with Definitely Maybe, 408 has been blowing up all over TikTok, um, at least in my algorithm, and I'm really digging a lot of the stuff that they're putting out. You know, I've I've been deep diving their catalog and uh, just really soaking them in and having this conversation with Mark was incredible. Uh, We talked about a lot of things, including, you know, kind of the formation and sound of the band and kind of their directives and the direction that they're trying to take everything. Um, We talked about the kind of resurgence and revival of pop punk and what that means for them, along with many other bands we name dropped several in the episode, uh, friends of, of Mark's and the bands and, um, artists that are just somehow still so incredibly underrated. And we discussed a lot about kind of the release cycle and how, um, bands are releasing singles leading into albums, but a lot of bands are releasing basically the whole album as, singles going into it so i got his insights on that um again just a really cool conversation had a lot of fun talking with him um think that this is going to be one that you guys enjoy for sure because mark is an awesome dude and um the band 408 is again someone that should be on your radars if they're not Right after this episode, you need to go deep dive through their catalog. So let's dive into it. This is my conversation with Mark from the band 408. Uh, So to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time. Simple introduction, man. Who are you? A little background on yourself. Yeah, I am Mark from 408. Uh, A little bit of background about me. I love Blink-182. I love emo and pop punk alternative music, Jimmy World, Reliant K. Um, started the band in 2017 and just continuing to release and record music. Awesome. So I'd love to hear, obviously Blink is in this scene, one of the most commonly referenced, but you mentioned like Reliant K and stuff. And I don't, I think they're one of those bands. They got their their flowers, right? Like people appreciate them but they're one of those bands that I don't think enough people acknowledge how much of an influence they had on the music scene. Massive. Yeah. I would say like, whether you, you were part of like the youth group scene or not, I don't really think that matters because they're, I was a fan of them as early as like 2000 and like one or two, you know, that's, that's, basically when I started to be able to ingest music and recognize like what my favorite bands were and they exploded onto the mainstream with their mm-hmm record in 2004 and that was on MTV TRL like a yeah. few songs and even so a little bit after that too the four score and seven years ago whatever I forgot or five I can't remember the name of that album but the one after the mm-hmm album had, a, had another song that was on mm-hmm. TRL and stuff 
Um, but they had amazing tracks, amazing deep cuts, massively influential and bands like the state champs and, and other bands um, that I can't even, you know, think of off the top of my head, but they they just had a huge influence on a lot of bands. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it is like, I think the problem is they got pigeonholed as the youth group band, right? Like, Oh, if you listen to Reliant K, you must be the church kid or whatever. And it's like, no man, they were writing bangers. Like I didn't yeah. go to church and I fucking loved Reliant K um, to this day. Like there's several songs that come on and it's, I'm not skipping that. I'm going to sing along. Like this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to see them. And when we were young was amazing. Um, also, I got to work with Matt Thiessen on some of these songs that a new song that came out. Uh, Remember Her Like That was written with Matt Thiessen. So that was a really cool moment for me because I'd been listening to his music for so long. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of your you touched on it there, like when you were able to start ingesting music yourself and like kind of formulating what you love. Um, what was it like? You know, was there kind of that that light switch moment of this is going to be the direction I want to go. Like, I want to make music. I want to pursue this dream. Yeah, I think I got to give it to, you know, bands like Reliant K, Blink-182, and A Day to Remember. More so Blink. I think Blink, like Reliant K will always be one of the most influential bands in my life. But Blink-182 was just like, this is insane. Like whatever this, this is the first time I heard it, I'm like, this is amazing. Like I got to play bass. I got to sing like Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLong. Like I love these songs. I love like the progressions and, and that just stuck with me, you know, like there, I just don't think anything will ever have that much of an impact on my life going forward, just because the amount of angst that's in those records, like take off your pants and jacket and, and the state, it just resonated with me very much so. And um, I'm from South Florida. And if that means in uh, when I mean that be West coast of Florida, like Venice, like very small beach town, nothing really going on. There's there nothing to do besides like drugs or maybe surf and skate. And um, I didn't do drugs back then. So I just di- dived into being in bands and, playing some really crappy small local shows and um but I loved it and even before like the resurgence of the pop punk stuff like I started 408 I've always wanted to start a band like this but I finally was able to get to a point in my life where I'm like all right I want to start a band that is inspired by this sound and grow it from there you know and that's what we did yeah well, and I think it's it's interesting, too, because, you know, I'm 38. So for me, growing up, very similar, like, timeline was grew up listening to classic rock because that's what my parents listened to, whatever, you know, started cutting my teeth on my own stuff. And then my brother had bought uh, Dookie by Green Day. And I remember that was like the light switch for me of, oh, I relate to that. Like, I need to go down that road and see what's out, you know, what else is out there. Uh, which obviously led me over to Blink and some other bands at that time. And it's like, I think it's such a pivotal moment, you know, when as a child, you start to recognize yourself in songs and finding bands that kind of 
are speaking words that you've lived and it, it triggers this moment of like, okay, so now I have to decide, like, do I just kind of follow the path that my parents are laying out before me? Or do I, you know, venture down this road and try to start making my own personality? And I think that's something with your music, you know, like you said, it, it maybe took you a little while to get to the point where you're starting to, to write music that's inspired by those bands. But now that you are like, I can hear some of that nostalgia, whether it's intentional or not. Like I hear that nostalgia of, man, if I would have heard this when I was 17, when I was 15, whatever, like this would have been one of those gateway bands for me. That's cool. No, thank you. I mean, the inspiration very much so is, was from that, that time. And then, you know, it continues to grow and, and ever flow as we go later into the timeline of life, I would say. Yeah. But you guys have, as you've progressed in the relatively short time that you've been uh, in this iteration of a, a project, right? Like I say short time because let's be honest, the two and a half years of the pandemic don't fucking count, right? Like you've been a band for around five years, but that pandemic really fucked you up on some of it. So, yeah. you know, as, as you've built, you've been able to work with some incredible guests already, right? Like you guys have, have worked with uh, Magnolia Park, Taylor Acorn, like you said, working with Matt now on some of the new stuff. Like talk a little bit about finding the friends in the scene, right? The friends that, hey, we're, we're all passionate about this thing. We want to support each other. Yeah, Magnolia Park and us both are from Orlando and we both were playing a lot of shows together in the beginning. And they're just really cool people all the way around. They're good friends of mine. And we became friends through music, obviously. And um, they're just great, great dudes. We relate on a lot of things, you know, like I love hip hop. They love hip hop. They like certain bands. They like Blink. I like Blink. We just had a lot of similarity in taste and style and fashion and music and our directions of our band. You know, both bands started to take a lot of chances um, with their sound. And, you know, they recognized that. I recognized that what they did. And we both recorded at the same studio. So we were just always seeing each other. We were always working with each other. I love Josh's voice, uh, Tristan. He's a really cool writer and guitarist. So is Freddie and all really all the guys are sick, but me and Josh hit it off. And I was like, damn, I got a couple songs. Josh, you should see if these are dope. And we'd always talked about doing songs, but we finally got to a place where like, all right, cool, let's run it. And we've done, I want to say maybe like four collaborations now um, and definitely more to come in the future. But yeah, love working with them. Taylor Acorn, another really good singer that we knew through a friend and um, we wrote a song Nashville with my buddy Nick and Kyle and it was a great song and they were able to get Taylor on the song and it just was really sick. So it all comes together pretty seamlessly. Yeah. And I, I think that's when the best art happens, right? Like, of course you're going to have some that are the paid features and, and that's a whole nother animal, but like when it's just friends helping friends and trying to just, a rising tide raises all ships, right? Like I'll support you guys, you support me, like whatever. And the scene just gets better that way. And I think it's something with pop punk specifically and, you know, emo, whatever genre label we want to put on all this. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the 
the old school mentality of like every band for himself has kind of gone out the window with this resurgence of pop punk. And it's like, no, we're all going to do this together because we love this thing. Mm-hmm. That's a great, that's a great point. It's way different landscape, way different mindset than it was back then. I don't think anybody thought about collaborating back then. Nowadays it's in the, in the band world, but nowadays I think the band world really learned from the cool music we got out of like hip hop, pop and alternative because they've been doing it forever yeah. and it's really cool. And then we just started adapting that, you know, the, everyone in the scene started adapting features and it just brings a whole new creative outlook to a song and it's cool. It's, we should have been doing it a long time ago. Yeah, for sure. And that that's the kind of sad part, right? Like looking back and you're like, man, if these guys would have linked up, like that could have just been a jackpot None. for so many. And you've got some that are happening now that like, I just saw yellow card and pierce the veil announced that they've got a track coming out together. And it's like back right. in the day, I never would have put them together on a song because that wasn't the, the mindset, but now it's like, yeah, that makes perfect fucking sense. Yep. Exactly. Um, so we have to talk about TikTok, right? Let's talk about sure. how TikTok is kind of was the launch pad, right? Like you were building a fan base, obviously, but we don't get high like we used to. And, and just some of the, the songs that have already started garnering that attention. What do you see as a difference? Cause I mean, you grew up in a world without TikTok, right. And you've had to evolve into this. What do you think the difference is in old school marketing versus leveraging TikTok when it comes to the music side of the business? I know that's a really I think it's, loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a blessing and a curse because the reach that you can gain from using the app is, is amazing. But it also is a whole other side of the brain that every creator that is trying to do this seriously has to use and it's a taxing i mean you get to points where even just musically back i mean even just four or five years ago six years ago you never you didn't have to think about visuals all the time you had to think about maybe a cool music video here and there and that's fine and the art gets consumed deeper back then than i think it does now now you have to be very, very fast and creating always. And that kind of sucks because it takes away from what a musician really wants to do is just play and sing and do whatever that is. But from a marketing standpoint, um, I think it's a cool thing. It, it has its taxing moments, but overall, I think it is, it is a tool with that being said, I wish there was, you know, because when we were really, you know, just anybody in general, it used to be music videos and albums that people used to really like dive into the artist. And mm -hmm. that still does happen today. But there's just so much content on a daily basis on that app and on Instagram, everything just every day, there's content, content, content. So people forget about things very fast. It's this song's amazing. I love this song. Seven to 10, 12 days go by. You're like, all right, I'm tired of this. I need a new song. Like our attention spans are just so short these days. And that's everybody. 
Um, yeah. But just to answer your question in the best way possible is TikTok is an amazing tool. You have to create triple and quadruple the amounts of content that you would by just writing and making a song, I guess is the best way to do it. And it is effective if you do that. If you don't, then you're not going to be as effective and it's not going to work as well. Yeah. So while you were talking about that, I was definitely paying attention, but I also wanted to see the number to your point or to further your point. Um, there are approximately 34 million posts to TikTok per day currently going mm -hmm. out. So like to your point about just how saturated, like obviously that's not all music. Some of it's, you know, divorce court clips or whatever, <laughs> but like it, it, it's still like the algorithm's not perfect either. So while you may be posting the music stuff, people aren't always going to see the music stuff. They're going to see whatever, you know, an episode of Cops or or whatever it is. And it's like, I think it it is a, like you said, a kind of a blessing and a curse where like, on the one hand, we know that we're creating this dope art. Now I have to try to cut it down into bite-sized segments as well, though and figure out how to to get that out to people um obviously at the end of the day you don't want it to influence your your writing style or anything but have you noticed any change in that where it's like okay i know these you know we don't get high like we used to blew up on tiktok i need to write hooks more like that or is it influencing you at all it is influencing us. So when we created Highlight for Used To, we wrote it in Nashville with the band, Katie Cecil and her boyfriend. And how the song came, we were just in a normal writing session. Chris had this loop thing. And I was like, oh, that's sick. But there was no progression. There was no chord progression. And then I picked up the guitar and I really was in a Reliant K mood because I think I'd written with Matt Thiessen or was going to write with him. And I really wanted to do something like Reliant K. So I wrote a progression that I feel that felt like them. And then I came up with the line. I'm like, uh, what if we sing about like just not getting high like we used to? And I was actually thinking of like a knuckle puck type like melody. And then we refined everything and then we got high like used to, but um, once the success of that song came out, we do have a new song on the record that is gonna that is in the same house of we don't get high like we used to. It's a different song completely, but um, I think it's hard to say. It's like it is influenced us, but at the same time, we we still are just creating our own stuff that we want to make. And hopefully the app and algorithm gods will support the new choices that we make. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. That's the trick of this whole thing is, is sometimes you have a really good song and it just, you can't go viral with it. And sometimes the song that you least expect goes viral, but there's other reasons why that happens is uh, the type of content you're posting, the lighting, the what, you know, just the uh, the uh, text on the screen, any of it, it's all random. So ultimately, I think it's just a matter of making really cool songs and just making as many as you can. 
and marketing them as many different ways as you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I think you're right too. I've had a few people say something similar on like, there's no rhyme or reason to what goes viral. Like you guys could post a, a clip of you playing live and from the music video, right? Like you post that clip of you guys in the living room playing and, and things like that. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. And that one goes off. But then, you know, a band that, I don't know, let's say like state champs or something, and they did something similar. And it's like, oh, th why didn't this one work? You know, like there's so many variables as to like what's going to work for which band. Um, do you think now that you've seen some of that success, even if it doesn't consciously ad adjust how you're writing the song, are you thinking about it after the fact on like, okay, we've got the song together. I think these are the clips from the song that are going to work on TikTok or Instagram reels or whatever. Yeah, we test everything. We, we test out every segment. Um, at least I do and a couple of other guys do in the band. I mean, it's tough to say, you know, Magnolia Park has had many different segments of their songs go that you one you would least expect like the second verse on their song 10 for 10 went very viral and that's mm -hmm. not the chorus you know so yeah. everyone thinks oh it's got to be the chorus so that's not necessarily true um but yeah i think you got to test every part of your song because you never know i mean even the biggest tiktok sounds of all time it's not always the chorus it's the beginning of the song it's the verse you know it just you don't know what it's going to be yeah for sure. And I, I think too, with, with some of that is like, especially if it's a unreleased track at the time of you doing some of that marketing, you almost don't want to give away the chorus to some extent, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. I mean, my methodology on that is if you have a song, let's say you have a couple songs, whatever, and you start to test them, I wouldn't hold back from posting the chorus, give it a shot. If it works really well, and for whatever reason, it just, I think you have to gauge it how well it does. So if you post it, and for you, if you get like 5,000 to 10,000 views, and if for you, that's a lot, then hold on to it, get it to a point of being ready to release, and then attack. If for whatever reason, you get way more than that, then you got to try to release it as soon as possible to capitalize on the momentum. Um, I think we tried to do the same thing. We we posted it. We were not anticipating this song going viral. We didn't even have it recorded. It was a demo. Yeah. And um, the demo was fully done, but not the actual song. So we started to post it and we were just dicking around going, oh, well, let's try this. And then we got 100,000 views on it. I'm like, oh, damn. What if we did this? And we tried one other thing. And then that was the one that got like 1.3 million views. And we're like, fuck, we got to record this song and release it. <laughs> so we were a little behind on getting it out, like when the viral moment happened. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, like, you know, people were still stoked and hyped on the track and we got it recorded, mixed and mastered and released within three weeks of it going viral. So, I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. Half Hats off to my producer, Andy, for getting that done. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, <laughs> looking at the Spotify numbers now it's over 3 million streams just on Spotify. So, you know, yeah. timing may have been off, but it, it's still <laughs> not bad. Yeah, not bad. But now the expectations are, I mean, just in the music industry, it's just, you gotta, 
multi-millions of streams. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's like three million streams is cool, but it's not game-changing if you want to do it as a career. Um, Really, really grow and expand out there because there's other creators that go viral and and it's 45 times more than what we did. And you look at the the country song that went viral, the, um, what was it, Uh, Oliver Anthony. Yeah, yeah. You know, that guy just completely took over the app for a good three weeks or maybe more yeah so but and, and on the metal side like when um bad omen started blowing up it bad omen. sleep Insane. token now like yeah it, it's silly um but i think a lot of that too comes into you know hopefully the algorithm gods like you said are putting it in front of the right people and that's the the real trick is like I'm not even going to pretend to understand the science behind the algorithm, but like if you're posting it from your personal account, is it looking at what type of videos did you like? So now I'm going to distribute it to them versus, Oh, your band's demographic is this. That's where it should go. I wish I knew that because (laughs) there's so many different ebbs and flows of the algorithm and it's frustrating because I, you know, you start to feel like you're getting some momentum, like the first two times you're posting something and then you're like, okay, cool. Like this one got 30,000 views. That means the next one has got to get more and then it doesn't. And, um, it's just, it's tough. You know, it's, it's, I think the best advice for anyone that is cares to listen to this is look at what else is going viral in your niche and replicate those types of videos because that's all that you can really do. Obviously, you can be creative on your own, but if you can replicate what's already working within the fa- the past five to seven business days, then you have a higher chance of going viral because the app is currently pushing these types of content. And uh, that's how we've won so far as yeah. we've saw the creators doing similar types of videos and we're like, oh, we should do this. And we did, it, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that's, the key is, you know, it, it's the unfortunate part of the business because that's where you're feeling like your band is a business, but watching mm-hmm. the quote unquote competitors or, you know, whatever in, in the space, um, I think Loveless is a great example of this where he's so quick to shift on like what style of video he does, but it's working and, or at least being consistent every time. Um, and I think it's one of those things where, once you start recognizing how to do it in the short form, the long form, you're able to be the full creative that you want to be because you've already hooked them in that short form. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wish long form got more attention. Like when it's, we say long form, let's just say music videos. Right. Seemingly like they're cool and they grow at a, decent Much pace slower rate <laughs> yeah but when you go back on it there's a lot of cool things to look at and be like oh wow this piece of art stood the test of time in the last three or four or five years and it's still really cool and it's cool for the fans like because i'm a fan of music and if i want to go see a cool music video i can it's just not as readily used and viewed like we all used to sit around a tv and watch youtube videos those days are like not really there anymore you know like here and there like if your buddies get together maybe you'll do it but 
there used to be way more of like, all right, cool. It's like watching music videos, you know, even as 2017, 2018, that was still a thing. Now it's just not really that I'm, that I'm seeing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, nowadays it is a lot of like, just sending the TikTok clip or the Instagram reel to friends and then like, Hey, check this out. That's cool. Um, but yeah, how many of those you unlocked a, a core memory for me there with, you know, the old watching YouTube videos, me and buddies used to get together all the time and do that. And how many nights do those turn into the fucking rabbit hole though, where you end up on the weirdest fucking shit on YouTube and you're like, what are we doing guys? How did we get here? YouTube poop and like crazy shit. That shit was funny. Yeah. I I remember distinctly like sitting at a buddy's apartment and like going down some fucking rabbit hole. And then we were on like supposed aliens getting hit by a car and then like, the chupacabra and all these like conspiracy cryptozoology things. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Or you end up on, um, I'm sure you'll remember them. The fucking two like Indian dudes that just built houses and shit in the woods with no fucking tool. And it's like, what is, what are we doing? Why have we watched this for four hours? (laughs) It's wild. It's wild, man. There's, there's some funny stuff on there. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad because that uh, platform, you know, YouTube is still very useful. And I guess to, to kind of summarize up both TikTok and YouTube, everything is really just keyword and search based now, even including TikTok, which it's just, it's just a different medium, you know, like we just use it for different things now than than we did before like tiktok's more entertainment youtube's more like how-to videos and gaming related and you know tiktok will eventually kind of fall to the wayside as well and there will be a new platform that encompasses more you know users but we'll see when that comes you know yeah and i i think a lot of that's gonna not to get political in it but a lot of that's going to depend on you know who and where that uh app or whatever comes from because whether it's facebook or whoever the chinese government is that owns uh tiktok like there's so much conspiracy around a lot of that with your your data and things and it's like i joke with people all the time about i have a friend who refused to get a new iphone because they didn't want the face id and whatever and it's like okay that's fine but their logic was that that's how the government gets updated photos of your face. And I'm like, you have a driver's license. They've, they've had mm-hmm. your fucking picture since you were 16 years old. Like, what are you talking about? They probably got AI tools where they could just, even if they didn't know what you look like now, they could just like, yeah. Age you. Yeah. It's, it's so ridiculous. Um, Let's talk about the writing process and getting into uh, the new single, Remember Her Like That. Like, talk a little bit about, you know, as we've gotten older, but pop punk is still sad boy hour, right? So, like, what's it like feeling like, not necessarily that you should be past this by any means, but like that concept of having the maturity to look at these situations and write a song about it now? versus when we were growing up and it was the fuck my ex-girlfriend pop punk i think uh since i've grown up with it you just i've chosen to write 
about my life and I always try to put like parts of my life in the song and fortunately and unfortunately for me I've been through a lot of relationships and they're all different and not all of them are bad and not a majority of them are but you know you start to learn a lot from each person that you date and that you thought you're gonna marry and you didn't and then you're just like wow this is kind of crazy and then time goes on and then you don't have the same friends anymore and then you don't really do the same things like you don't have fun anymore sometimes or like it seems like it was more fun back then when you had a different group of friends and then you just start to write a bunch of different things so I just kind of let the songs come to me and then whether someone has the idea that's the leader of the song I always try to say okay well cool let's put this little nugget in there and then that's how I relate to all the music that we do there's at least a very small portion of myself in the track you know whether any time of life so when it comes to maturity I think it's just easier to write music because there's a lot more to talk about and um I've also you just can't really force it you know you just have to let the song come to you I know a lot of people say like oh you need to write like a lot and I think you do but also at the same time I think taking breaks and allowing yourself to analyze where you are in life and then go back to the you know guitar or whatever you used to write and then new things will come out from that you know yeah and I I love that you say you need to give yourself time because I do think especially with the the digital age that we're in now and how quickly people are consuming stuff there's a different level of pressure now to constantly be putting stuff out or constantly be writing um, not that there wasn't pressure before, but like bands used to, to write an album and then two and a half years later was the next album. And that was just the way the cycle worked. You toured on it for a year and a half, then you went and wrote for a year. And now it's like, Hey, we put out this album. Now we have to be on the road for six months, but then I have to have the new album ready to go when that tour mm-hmm. ends so that we can be out again. Like, what do you think that dynamic is? And how's that kind of potentially affected the the mentality of the the music scene i think bands will burn out that are having to to you know think of this unrealistic expectation especially if they're a newer band if they're a band from any time after 2017 or even maybe like 2016 um there's two schools of thought you know like the old school Take your time, write the album, the new school, release as much as you can. I think there's an in-between, and that's where I like to think we are, is release as much as you can if you if you feel like it and you've got some good stuff that you want to say, but don't say things just to say them. You know, Don't release a song just because you feel like you have to. Um, but at the same time, don't take too long because people will forget. So that's the best way I could put that is stay vigilant stay on top of your music but if you feel like you need to take 90 days off and don't drop a song that's okay but i wouldn't wait any longer than that i wouldn't wait like eight months you know so it's yeah for sure and especially you know if you're the exception if there's any sort of exception the exception would be you're on a fucking world tour already somehow like, sure, it's going to take you longer to drop music. People understand that. 
but if it's you know a like you said a relatively new band that quote unquote isn't doing anything like you don't really have too much excuse to go you know six months in between singles or everybody's dropping you know nine of the 10 songs as singles before an album comes out where do you Mm. think that's at for you guys specifically i guess like is the mentality we're gonna kind of have everything released and then oh that's this collection essentially you know what i mean name the album afterwards or is it a no we have a body of work we're gonna put out you know two three singles and then the body of work comes out so what we're doing now and we've done this in the last two years or so is if we write 12 songs we'll do five or six singles six brand new songs no one's heard um from a spotify releasing perspective and in a singles perspective it sucks for those songs that don't get you know treated as a single but with tiktok that's where you it doesn't really matter what song is the single or not it matters what song reacts so where we're at currently is get a group of songs release uh, as close to 50 percent of them as possible and then leave at least 50 percent new material for people to hear so i think that's our methodology that's what we're currently doing you know we have a new album coming out and we're releasing five singles, but there's 12 songs on the album. So, yeah. So that's something else I wanted to touch on uh, with as much leeway as you're allowed to, uh, you know, don't get in trouble with PR because they know me really well and they'll fight me. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> what details can you give about some of that new music and kind of timelines and things like that for what you guys are expecting? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a new song we're going to drop in December. That'd be wrote with John Feldman very excited to drop that and then from the new year there we do have an album coming out called hot mess that's going to be i think officially announced sometime at the top of the year and then um two more songs will come out the dates i'm not sure of but at the top of the year we'll drop a couple of songs and then the album will come out i think in march sometime is the plan awesome uh you name dropped him. So I have to, to also piggyback on it. Feldman is one of those people that I don't think people don't understand that that man has touched as many records as he's touched. You know what I mean? Like they don't, he has been in everything. What's it like tapping into that? And someone that comes from a pretty iconic background anyway, like Goldfinger was one of those bands when we were growing up that most likely if you surfed or skated, you were listening to Goldfinger. So what's it like for you being able to, to connect with him and kind of pick his brain about some of this genre um, and, you know, put out a piece of work? He's the coolest dude ever. I get along with him so well. He's from that, you know, his era and who he is as a person is just very much in line with what we are as a band, like the skate, surf, punk. He's a true punk rock dude. So we relate on a lot of things like same humor, same, just like mannerisms. He's a great dude. Like love him to death. Um, his talent is immense. You know, there's an immense amount of talent and uh, getting to work with him was definitely a bucket list moment. 
specifically because of what you just said. He's touched so many records. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know he did the Good Charlotte record. That blew my mind because (laughs) I'm like, what? You did this one too? Like, I just couldn't believe it. Like, not that that he couldn't do it. It's just I didn't know he did that specific record that blew up Good Charlotte. And that just blew my mind. I knew he did so many other things, obviously. But um, he he just got it, man. He just really has that. He has a gift, you know, whether you believe in God or not, he has a fucking gift from God and he can't really teach that. And he's honed it in obviously over the past 30 plus years. And um, it's been amazing. And it was really cool to get to bounce ideas off of him and say like, Hey, well, I think this melody is good. I think this is good. And what do you think? And it was cool to see him enjoy our opinions on the song. So now all it comes down to is we really just want to go viral with uh, one of the songs that we did with him because it would just mean the world to us be, to show him like, hey, look, like we made this art together and people like it, you know, not so much yeah. just like, oh, cool, famous, like it's not about that. It's just more so, hey, look, this worked. We can continue to do this longer, you know? Yeah. So that that's pretty much it in a nutshell, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And I want to name drop some of the people to show like the the level of range that feld has is absolutely insane so you mentioned uh good charlotte uh looking at the list he he did ashley simpson's first record hillary duff then he comes over and he does uh rights with avici we came as romans black veil brides fucking biffy clyro corn i mean the dude is in every fucking genre and killing it and it's like to your point like you're so immensely talented. I can't wrap my head around how you can go from, okay, you're skater punk to fucking Biffy Clyro. Like what is happening here? He just has it, dude. You know, he just like this guy, he is an instrument like himself is the best way I could say it, you know? And um, yeah, he's just got it. He's got that special touch and very, very smart and music. I don't want to say music is a science because that's not necessarily true, but there is some truth to that. And he's got the formula down and, um, you know, he's, he's a very intelligent dude and man, he, you know, cares about his fitness and he's just all well-rounded guy that really cares about art and, you know, he's great. Yeah. Plus it was dope to see, you know, uh, Tony Hawk sing Superman with them. So I know. Did you go to Wimmer Young? No, I didn't. I I saw the videos afterwards, unfortunately, and I was so I was jealous there. that I wasn't there. I was like, holy shit. I moshed. I got to go in the pit for a couple of the songs, and uh, he killed it. I mean, his set, that's another thing, too. It's like, we want to talk about how great of a dude he is. This guy rips shows still. Like, it's yeah. nothing. And uh, he was in a full suit. I don't. It was pretty hot the first day of when we were young, and this guy's in a full fucking tuxedo, pretty much. And just running around on stage and just screaming in the mic and shit. Like they're a good band. They sounded they sounded awesome. Which is a testament to to all of the guys, right? Like to have done it as long as they've done it now and still sound. I mean, obviously some of the audio up on the stuff that I heard, but they sound like their record when they perform. Yep, they do. Yeah, they do. So uh to kind of transition towards the end here. I don't want to sit down and think of better questions. So I bought this game called hot takes that the filter is going to blur. 
Uh, and it's just a party game of spicy opinions, as they call it. So we're just going to hit a couple okay. of these and see what you what your spicy opinions are. Uh, nice. so, number one is going to be uh, that people should get a ticket for leaving shopping carts in the parking lot. Mm. Isn't there a section in the parking lot to put the carts? But, so I, I was going to say, I think let's specify if you don't put it back in the little cart corral thing and you just leave it in like a fucking empty parking place, you're an asshole, right? Yes, but you're creating jobs. <laughs> People that have those jobs specifically to go pick up the carts. So I don't know. From economic standpoint, <laughs> I don't think they're out. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That sounds a lot like you're guilty of just leaving your cart laying in the parking lot somewhere. Sometimes if it's too far away and I got to go, it's in the parking spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is that listening to music while you study or work helps you focus. Yes. I was going to say, haven't there been really studies think... that have proven that? That's not a hot take at all. That's a, that's a truth. <laughs> yeah. That, that just seems like actual facts here. Um, let's see. Let's go with. The best, or sorry, no, let's go with, uh, it's okay to steal from big corporations. I already know the answer to that, but. <laughs> I would say, right? that. I don't think that's, yeah, I mean, big corporations, steal, what does steal mean? You know, like that's, that's a, that's a loaded question, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if you, you can, if you could get, take advantage of big corporations for your own benefit, that benefits you and your family. Why not? Right. And I, I think for me, like like you said, the definition of steal, we'd have to get really deep in the weeds on. I worked in retail for a long time. I hated them because I had to deal with them, but like I can't fault them for doing it. The extreme couponers, right? Like, yeah, you're technically mm -hmm. stealing from big corporations, but you're just exploiting a loophole in the system. That's their fucking problem, yeah. not yours, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Don't commit a crime. But if you could take advantage of the system, then yes, go ahead. Right, right. Not saying walk out, you know, stealing stuff, but if you can cheat a coupon or something, go for it. All right. Uh, yeah, last exactly. one is going to be that New York style pizza is better than Chicago style pizza. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's facts. Chicago, like New York style pizza, obviously they're all different. But if you go to the right New York pizza place that's like really good. It's just gonna knock the socks off any Chicago place, and that's because I think it's just flavor profiling. Chicago is so much. I think it's gluttonous, and then the New York style. If you have a few ingredients and you nail it, it's just gonna taste better. You know. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I forget the band I was talking to, but I had talked to them. They were from Chicago and they said they don't even like deep dish pizza. Like it's, that's the tourist thing. Like they actually prefer thin crust, like bar pie. Um, mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, I, most of their friends and family have not ordered a true Chicago style deep dish in like years because it's not what they like. And I'm like, Okay, so how do you get the rap for that? You know what I mean? Like, if you mm -hmm. if you say like New York style, I know that's a thin, floppy, 
big slice of pizza. Chicago is a deep dish pizza, period. There's no other, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, there is one more card in there that I'm going to ask now since we got that pizza one. Do you prefer square cut pizza or sliced pizza? Definitely sliced. It's easier to eat. Um, square, I don't know. I mean, definitely sliced. Yeah, square is just not as efficient of a shape for the mouth. Yeah. See, and I think 90% of the time I agree with you. The only advantage that square has is when you get those centerpieces and it's all toppings. Like, that's pretty fucking cool, but... Yeah, like Caesars cuts them in square. I just had little Caesars like two months ago randomly. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It's pretty dope. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. So awesome, man. Um, so the kind of end of every episode is the traditional outro type stuff. I will obviously link all the socials and everything, but what's the best way for people to interact with you? What do you want to tell people? Um, do your full promotion, you know, whatever you're, you're quote unquote legally obligated to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find us. Best way to find us is on either TikTok or Instagram, you know, at 408 Band for TikTok, at 408 Music for Instagram. And uh, we have new music coming out pretty soon. We just released a new song. Always just check on our links in our bio for that. And uh, make sure you follow us on Spotify to get updated when we drop a song. Awesome, man. I'm stoked for you guys. I'm loving it. I mean, even before the girls over at Big Picture hit me up about this, I I discovered you on TikTok. Um, and I think it's one of those things that even as a music journalist, you know, getting pitched all the music and stuff, it goes to show how strong that tool can be when you're discovering music before it even gets pitched to you by, I kid you not, man, I've worked with Big Picture since Dana started the company. So they yeah. hadn't even got me your press list yet. And I already was like, oh yeah, 408, can we get them on the podcast? Let's do that. So uh, stoked Sick. for you. I, I really think that there's um, a lot of room in the the pop punk space now. It's It's interesting with this resurgence, again, how it doesn't feel like there's as much gatekeeping or, you know, competition. It's really about rising the whole scene. And I think that's leveraging uh, bands like you that are doing something totally new, but with just enough nostalgia elements that are hooking the older guys like me, you know, again, 38 years old and still pop punk is my preferred genre. No, thank you so much. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're trying to, like I said, pull from the influences and push it forward as, as we see fit without losing the roots too much. So that's, that's definitely what we're trying to do. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Um, I'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything, and we'll, we'll go from there on that, but I'm stoked to see you out on the road soon, hopefully. And you know, if you get up within about three hours of me, I'll definitely uh, try to get over there. Yeah. Next time we have a show in your area, just, uh, just remind us, we'll get you on yeah. the list. And if you want people and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate your time, Mark. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Have a good one. Good talking to you, man. Thanks. See ya. And that was my conversation with Mark from the band 408. Huge shout out to him for taking the time to have that conversation with me. Um, just, again, a, a really fun conversation and um, a conversation that I'm 
really glad I was able to, to get set up with and uh, be able to talk to because 408, again, infiltrated my uh, TikTok algorithm and was very, very prominent or is very, very prominent in my For, uh, for You page and things like that. Um, but also, like, musically, they're, they're exactly the type of band that I've listened to for, you know, 20 plus years now at this point. The pop punk scene is, is alive and well. Um, and it's great, you know, kind of like I said there at the end, to see a band coming in and doing something that is unique but has just enough of a nostalgia spin on it um, to really hook in and, you know, I think one of the biggest compliments you can give about music is a lot of 408 songs, while they may be the first time you've ever heard that song, they feel familiar. They feel like something that you've heard before in the sense that while the song is completely new, it just strikes those memory chords with you and really brings up this like the nostalgia feeling that I've talked about and this kind of fondness to the music even at the very start so huge shout out to the guys um definitely go check out their their stuff they're releasing a couple more uh singles and then the album um and yeah i think it's something that they are definitely a band to be watching because it's very quickly becoming their time so um as always, I'll have all of their socials and everything linked in the description of the podcast. Please go over, give them a like, share, subscribe, follow, and let them know that you listened to the conversation and that you enjoyed it, hopefully. Um, and yeah, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. So, um, as always, I really appreciate everything you guys do for me and, and the podcast and um, allowing me the opportunity to to speak with so many incredible artists. Um, and I just, you know, hope, I know I say it a lot, but I, I do hope that that does not go unnoticed that I do really appreciate everything that you guys, uh, allow me to do with this platform. So, um, if you haven't seen, we did just drop the musicians for mental health episode with Garrett Russell of the band silent planet. Um, had a great time talking with him, definitely looking forward to more conversations down the road with him and, and many, many others. Uh, I am working on setting up a couple, um, so those will be coming soon as well. So, uh, that's it guys. That's everything for this episode. If you could be sure that you subscribe, um, to the podcasts and, share it and, you know, like it, leave a review, things like that, that drastically helps, uh, when I pitch to PR and management that I want to have a guest on the show. Um, a lot of them do ask about those types of numbers. So the better I can show those numbers, the, <laughs> the better odds are of getting, you know, who we're, we're looking for. So, um yeah that's it guys that's everything for this episode so as always remember take care of yourselves take care of each other and you make the scene <laughs>